The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world to formally request one more sit-down dinner with Steve Cohen. I'm Jake Mintz, that's Jordan Schusterman, and we'll pay. Yeah, we we got it covered, Um, you know, because this is important to us. And I know we assume that Mr. Cohen will take care of things, but no, like I'm willing, this is about finding the right fit. And if that means us, you know, footing the bill, I'm willing to do it. Do you think Steve Cohen, who, you know, owns the Mets, is like a top 100 rich person in the world? If he goes to dinner with someone, does the companion do the check dance? Like, mm. is there even a, hey, I got it. Or is yeah. is there just, it's Steve Cohen, like he. Well, but but here's the other thing, right? It also comes down to, one of the other strange realities I feel like that we have particularly in, in our uh, co- country is like people showing up and, and the, the rich people sometimes don't even have to pay because it's like, oh, Steve Cohen's here. Mm-hmm. And then the people at the restaurant are like, oh, no, don't worry about it. You're like, you're, you're in our restaurant. You know, well, well, it's like, no, 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 no. Those people should be paying quadruple. They should be. <laughs> and also, also, who's Steve Cohen dining with? Other rich people. They can all afford the dinner. It's, it's going to be okay for them. Uh, speaking of Steve Cohen dying with other rich people, I don't know how much Yoshinobu Yamamoto has made during his career in Japan specifically, although now I'm super curious about that. But he is about to make a whole lot more money, Jake Mintz. And we know that because there has been the opposite of secrecy involving the Yamamoto sweepstakes over these past few weeks. And I will be honest, you know, a little over a week ago, we went into the weekend and I was like, we are heading towards a Shohei Otani resolution. And indeed we were. On that Saturday, I felt kind of similar about Yamamoto when we left off on Friday. But here we sit on Monday morning, still wondering what team he will be signing with to pitch for 2024 and likely very, very, very beyond. So where do things stand with Mr. Yamamoto? Because that will be our first topic today. That's going to be our first topic. We're going to go through a couple Shohei Otani things. Jeff Passan over at ESPN had a little more behind the scenes info on the Otani pursuit from the Dodgers perspective. We're going to chat about the Angels' response to missing out on Otani, small franchise energy, Tyler Glass now extension, Royals hitting the stove hard, cooking up a big meal for 2024, Diamondbacks bring Lourdes Gurriel back, and a couple other transactions. But remember, Steve Cohen and Yoshinobu Yamamoto can both email us at baseballbarbacast at gmail.com. I heard his email is... Steve.cohen at 
Hotmail. Uh, he does he have Hotmail energy? He might Mets, even precede that. Yeah. Mets fan. 6969 at AOL.com. I don't know if we've gotten to the portion of his ownership where he's just like, email me, Steve. Because also, like, he responds to people's tweets who have, like, four followers. So it's not. it doesn't seem to be that hard to get, get a hold of him. But, yes, they can email us and you can email us there. Uh, we, will, we will continue to keep our eye on the mailbag. Um, but where, where are we at here with this, uh, Jake Mintz? Because Yamamoto is a a ridiculously coveted free agent for a very simple reason. Not only is he already kind of achieved one of the great starts to a career for any pitcher in MPB history, he is now becoming a free agent at the age of 25, a age when pitchers do not usually become available to major league baseball teams. Correct. In the way that Masahiro Tanaka was, you know, uh, about a little over a decade ago, here he is and he's even better. And the same teams, if not even even more, are trying to sign him. I wrote a little bit about this over at Fox Sports. Why is the money going to go above $300 million for a guy who has never pitched in the big leagues before? And I didn't want the, quote, never pitched in the big leagues before thing to make it sound like he has never played baseball. Like, he has literally been... <laughs> That's how the, some people are making yeah, it sound, yeah. Right. Like, he has literally been the best pitcher in the second best league in the world for a long time. Mm-hmm. Even though he's 25, he came up when he was 19 and was good almost right away. Um, But it's still a very unique set of circumstances that are allowing for this outrageous market to happen, right? One is, like you said, he's 25. So if you sign him now, you get him for the next eight to 10 years, and that's his prime. Often when pitchers hit the open market, they're 29, they're 30. There's a lot more skepticism about giving them the years. So Yamamoto is, uh, it's just a different case. The other is that the team's interested in him are all the big rich teams, right? The Cubs, the Mets, the Yankees, the Dodgers. That is driving the price up as well. And then you have like the Otani factor where the teams that missed out on Otani feel the need to make a splash. That's like San Francisco and Toronto. And then because of the way that Otani's contract is deferred, the Dodgers feel obligated to keep spending. And so they're in the mix driving the price up like crazy. Yeah. And another team you didn't mention is, is Boston, who I would argue, I, I wrote for Fox Today, just kind of, again, comparing really the seven teams that have been most associated or at least have been known to have met directly with Yamamoto. Those seven teams, Mets, Yankees, Dodgers, Red Sox, Giants. And then the other two are the, the Blue Jays, who I mentioned, and then the Phillies, who reportedly met with him last week. I totally understand your skepticism uh, about that, but I think that there, Ken Rosenthal had some reporting today about how the Phillies have been trying to increase their uh, presence in Asia just moving forward, whether or not they land Yamamoto. This is one of the five teams that has never signed a player directly from NPB, um, which is a, a kind of a stunning fact. They've only had two Japanese players uh, play for them before. And I think this is more of just kind of pushing things in the right direction. Now, at the same time, you know, even though Dombrowski said after they re-signed Aranola, like our, our rotation is set, this is what makes Yamamoto different. He makes sense for every team. There is not a team where you can look at him and be like, no, nah, he doesn't really fit our timeline. No, if you believe in the talent, he makes sense for you. But the bidding is going to a point where it is, it basically will weed out, you know, anything, the smaller possibilities. Because not only do we have a Yankees versus Mets bidding war, which we have not seen yet between Steve Cohen and Hal Steinbrenner, we do still have the Dodgers in the mix. We do still have the Red Sox and Giants 
who are desperate to spend money to improve their pitching staff. So even though they're not at the forefront, they might be giving Yamamoto the biggest offers and thus uh, raising this to a price that even the most optimistic, you know, of forecasts are, you know, put it at when the offseason began. And that has to do with where baseball is at technologically. And what I mean by this is 10 years ago, evaluating Yamamoto, a pitcher like Yamamoto, would be how does the stuff look? What is the fastball velocity? What are his results in Japan? Okay. And that is a very incomplete picture of a baseball player, of a pitcher, right? Now that we have pitch tracking technology with Rapsodo and TrackMan and Hawkeye and all this stuff, right? That allows us to have and us and teams to have a really deep understanding for what type of pitcher Yamamoto is. And then you can compare that raw pitch data, right? The movement, the shape, the release point, the spin. You could compare that like for like two players currently in the big leagues and see where he stacks up. And guess what? It's very favorable. The fastball in particular is very unique. He gets a lot of carry on it. He throws it 95 miles an hour from a pretty low slot, it'll be very hard for guys to hit. And then the splitter is amazing and there aren't many elite splitters in baseball. And so it still has that air of uh, rarity to it that I think makes it very difficult to hit. So I, I that's just an extra component that I think is really important that teams have confidence in his pitch mix working at the big league level. And so that makes them even more willing to push the price up. Yeah, and you know, just thinking about Kodai Senga and the way we talked about him a year ago. Now, Senga was, I believe, entering his age 30 season and had a track record of being one of the best pitchers in Japan and at times, you know, at the very, very top, but never quite as lengthy of a track record. He had this one pitch, right? The ghost fork that somehow ended up being as good as could be. But the rest of his arsenal while the numbers look good, it was like, okay, you know, what else are we working with? And just on the face of that pitch alone, this dude was able to be an all-star and one of the best pitches, one of the best pitchers in the National League immediately as a rookie. You know, I don't care how old he was. Like, I would say Senga, I had very high expectations for him, and he blew them away on the basis of one exceptional pitch. And that was also with the guy who had, you know, command issues too. So, now, not every pitcher is the same, and you can't just say, oh, you know, you translate these numbers are these good in MVP, this in NPB, these numbers are going to be this good in MLB, and that means Yamamoto is definitely going to be that much more. But I will say, it is kind of wild when you see the deal that Senga signed for, even knowing the risks that he was, that he kind of came along with to know where this Yamamoto thing is going, because ultimately it's at the point now, now, not that it's a bad thing for Yamamoto, we are heading towards the possibility that he will be getting the, the largest contracted pitcher has ever gotten. And that is very difficult for people to fathom, no matter how many numbers you put in front of them that says this guy is going to succeed. I think it's important to recognize that there is going to be risk in that no matter what. And that's what makes this all the more fascinating and which of these teams can best afford to absorb that kind of risk because a contract of that magnitude is so hard to live up to no matter what, even if, because at that point, he's going to be at the stage where if he's one of the 10 best pitchers in baseball, he's merely meeting the standard versus the possibility of him being anything less, which is going to make him feel like uh, just a, an incredible. Now, again, this is more of a sequence of, of, of circumstance than it is, I think, his, his actual talent, 
which of course is worthy of a, of a sizable contract, but maybe not the biggest in, in baseball history. Let's do dinner. So over the weekend, Yamamoto went and had dinner at Steve Cohen's house mm-hmm. in Connecticut, which is not New York, but in Connecticut with David Stearns, the GM, Carlos Mendoza, the manager, and Jeremy Hefner, the pitching coach. And via Will Salmon of The Athletic, quote, it is believed that the dinner went well mm. with the participants enjoying the hospitality and free-flowing conversation, leading to a generally good connection. A good time, Jordan. Totally. It was had by all. I like the idea like <laughs> Yamamoto gets there. I, Yamamoto gets there and like Steve Cohen is like chopping garlic in, in his enormous kitchen. Uh, yeah, well, it's good. I like also, you know, which Steve Cohen house, right? I hope they got the right, you know, I, I'm sure he does have one in, in Long Island and one in New Jersey and all these different things. They do the Connecticut home, and this does seem to be important. We know we had some reporting that him and David Stearns had flown to Japan to have dinner with Yamamoto, you know, give him the, the home game. And now it was time. At it was Steve, a home and home. Steve, yeah. Steve Cohen's Japanese house. Yes, honestly, extremely plausible. Um, but in this case, they wanted to bring in a, a few more to kind of kind of make things known. And it's fine, right? It just did, dinner goes well. Now, we then get some reporting from Andy Martino that – it seems that Yamamoto was interested in meeting with both the Mets and the Yankees uh, for an additional time over this past weekend. And the sequencing of the reporting made it so that both, again, we're heading towards a very funny place with both of these fan bases because both fan bases for, with good, have a lot of good reason to be feeling good about this. I, yeah. I, really, yeah. I really understand it, you know? At the same time, when Andy Martino first put something out there, or I think Heyman actually, when the report of the Mets dinner comes out, Heyman says, Yamamoto actually requested another meeting with the Yankees. And everyone's like, oh, everyone's making jokes like, he's at the Mets dinner just trying to get the Yankees' attention. Like, he doesn't care about them. And then it's like, no, 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 he requested the meeting with the Mets too. But this is how on edge these fan bases are because at this point, we've never, we've never had something like this. We've never had the Yankees having to worry about winning a bidding war with the Mets. This is a new reality. We are not, this is not something we have experienced before. And it is glorious because the confidence with which both fan bases are exuding with this, not to oh. mention the Dodgers still lurking, is truly, truly something to be. If the Mets get him and the Mets fans can call the Yankees a poverty franchise, <laughs> that will be like a century of pent up <laughs> frustration. Right. But again, it does seem like, you know, in the way that, that Steve Cohen in, in, in whether Yamamoto arranged it or but the fact that the Mets, you know, brought in Mendoza and Hefner and whatever is it is not just a it, I don't think this is just a bidding war. This seems to be a matter of recruitment. You know, yeah. this is this is a can you make the pitch? And this is where ultimately I mean, maybe maybe money will talk the loudest. It's very possible. Yeah. Right. But at the same time, I, I do feel like th- these teams are, are have to actually sell the vision in a very real way in, in, in a similar respect to, to what we dealt with with Otani. People always ask the question, like, what meal would you make for a date that you're trying to impress? And for me, it's risotto. Mm-hmm. Um, wh- what would you make for Yamamoto if he was oh, coming man. over Jordan and you had to swoon him? I don't know, man. This is just, you know, you, you pick the best frozen Trader Joe's meal and hope for the best. Oh my God. Probably. Could you imagine <laughs> Yamamoto gets there and he, and like Steve Cohen just has like 
six frozen. Yeah, well, he's sog- probably got he's like got fifteen like, microwaves too, so oh. he could probably get a whole feast going. Um, just with he's got every like, all the best from the frozen aisle. Fifteen frozen sog paneers on the counter. Just, uh, just toss them, just toss them in the microwaves. All right, eat up. Yeah. Sorry, we're 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 penny pinching right now because we're trying to sign you to a three hundred million dollar contract. Right, like, look, man, I'm just trying to be frugal. Like, this is this is not where the money needs to go. Um, but no, it's a, it's a good question. I mean, obviously, oh, just like the dinner party social setting with. $320 million Japanese pitcher and 77th richest person in the world. Well, it's just so funny to me. Like, I love the idea that like Yamamoto isn't picking up the hint and he's not leaving. And Steve Cohen's like, would you like a cup of tea? <laughs> yeah. But again, like that would be, well, how long would Yamamoto have to stay for the Mets to be like, we got to get this guy out of here. <laughs> like, like, come on. It's the opposite. He can stay as long as he wants. If he wants to stay the night, what are they in one of his 25 bedrooms? What are they going to exactly. tell him? No, like this is all about making him comfortable. Right. Like Mendoza and Stearns are like, we're going to head out. You, you want to come with us? And you know, it was like, nah, I'm good. So then let me, let me, let me throw this to you, Jake. But f- fancy dinner aside, what's the pitch? Like move the, and, and, and the mountain of money that he's about to get. What's the pitch if you're Steve? Like truly, I'm not. This is not like a let's let's improv this. Like honestly, how is how are the Mets selling? Why how are the Mets going to convince Yamamoto to sign with them and not the Yankees? What do you think? It's a really good question because the Yankees have a level of prestige that the Mets don't have, even if the Mets mm-hmm. do have globs of money now. I think part of it is getting to play with Senga. Mm-hmm. I think part of it is the in a way, like the clean slate of where the organization is at compared to the Yankees. Now, if I, I don't know if they would do this, but like you could kind of shit on the dysfunction of the Yankees to Yamamoto. In my mind, the pitch for the Mets would be, (laughs) what are, like, what are we that the Yankees are not? If that makes mm, sense, mm. right? If you are, if you are thinking now again, as for how the Dodgers factor into this, that's that's a little bit of a different conversation. But yeah, but if we focus think, on the New Yorks, yeah, I, I mean, not that the is, Mets don't still have a healthy amount of dysfunction. no, I <laughs> not yes, as much, that is true. But yeah. I think the pitch revolves around like a limitlessness, mm-hmm. where the untapped potential of the Mets is unique. I think that is really unique. And the ceiling there is very alluring. Now, I think the allure of the Yankees is equal. Like I would, if I was a pitcher, I would want to go work with Matt Blake. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I think he's the exact type of guy who can get the most out of your stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the Yankees pitching coach. But yeah, I mean, I think that the pitch is bag of money. I really do. I think yeah. that's the strongest thing. I think if it's a combination, because it seems like Yamamoto has no hesitation going somewhere with, like, it's not like he's worried about the pressure. But again, not that we should associate every, not every, you know, Japanese star that comes over is is looking for a certain kind of thing. But if the the Mets can be more of a blend of you can settle in and you are in New York and we still intend to be building the kind of, you know, contender that you dream of pitching for – 
Whereas the Yankees, like if he wants to throw himself straight into the fire, which it seems right. like he's the kind of the guy that does, then it's very right there and available for him. It's basically like, all right, if you give up five runs in your first start with the Yankees, they're going to hate you forever <laughs> for the remainder of your 12 year contract. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Right. Whereas for the Mets, the Mets have been very clear that they're not going all in on 2024. Which yeah. in some ways might be alluring to him because then you just get your feet wet and get comfortable. And then in 2025, you can, you know, worry about the bigger fish. I I would pick yeah. the Yankees personally. Yeah. If I yeah. threw 95, I would pick the Yankees in this scenario. Mm-hmm. I will say, but, though, but I'm um, built different. What can I say? Yeah, and and again, like the Dodgers are are still a very real part of this conversation. And if if they if he is still just looking like if he wants to go win more trophies with his friend Shohei, like you just did in March, that's that's probably the best pick. And also, where a situation where it's like not only do I want to win, but no matter what, if he goes to the Dodgers, he's not the center of attention. He just won't be. Like I know he'll be the one pitching and not Otani, but in a way that I think he would be. Definitely with the Mets, right? If if they actually land him, he you know immediately becomes even uh, alongside Senga, but just really you know the face of that pitching staff. And with the Yankees, like he would because he would have this giant contract, but it's still Aaron Judge and Garrett Cole above above all. So it's and I, that's another thing that we don't have a sense for the the kind of status he's looking for yeah. in his first team. Not to mention with Boston and San Francisco, where you know certainly Boston, it would be immediately he would be this this savior, which is is whether that's a good or a bad thing. Who knows? Last question, and then we'll take a break. Mets, Yankees, or the field? Like New York baseball team or the field? What do you got? Yeah, I think I'm still going New York baseball team. Um, I just I don't know I. Like, the, it was so funny how well we saw, like, as soon as we got the reports that, you know, Otani and, and Mookie and Freeman met with uh, met with him, then all the Yankees and Mets fans were like, oh, never mind, he's a Dodger. And then, like, all it took was this weekend again to just be like, oh, well, he's clearly not going to the Dodgers. And now Dodgers fans are like, oh, yeah, he's not going here. So, again, I just love where we're at. I love where we're at with this. It, it, is, it is highly entertaining. And I love that uh, Yamamoto is posting things on his Instagram like a picture of his agent, Joel Wolf, on a private jet uh, with caption Super Joel. Uh, amazing. Uh, because that is what, what jo- I mean, Joel Wolf is, he's he's a star now, right? Nez season is over. Now we get to uh, see what, what the King of Wasserman gets to, gets to secure for Mr. Yamamoto. Nez season is Joel-ver. All right, let's <laughs> take a quick break. And when we get back, we'll chat a little Otani, a little glass now, and a whole lot of the... Kansas City Royals. Hey everyone, producer Chris here with a brand new housekeeping note about our merch. Basically, we have a bunch of new stuff. So if you've been looking for a baseball barbercast themed beanie or bucket hat, or even a t-shirt with one of those cool pockets on the chest, well you can stop looking and start buying because they are all available right now just in time for winter. Just go to podswag.com slash baseball and don't leave yourself clothesless this winter. That's P-O-D-S-W-A-G dot com slash baseball. And welcome back to Baseball Barbacast. Jake Mintz, Jordan Schusterman. Uh, Jordan, I heard that uh, Yamamoto is going to be meeting with the Harlem Little League 12U All-Star team. Uh, I don't think we have it yet in the budget, and he's 25. He's 25. But that arm from 46 feet, I mean, good night. 
Yeah, see, I don't know. I actually think that would be challenging for him, but it is a good point. It definitely a context where 25 no longer sounds so young. Uh, yeah, and I think the biggest issue that we're trying to get over to woo Yamamoto to come to Harlem Little League is just the the level of catching. Um, we we have 12-year-olds catching, and mm. I don't know if they could handle 95 miles an hour from 46 feet. And so... Yeah, I don't think so either. We're going to have to figure something out. But yeah, enough also, Yamamoto. Yeah, oh. I was just going to say, like this, the off-speed stuff probably doesn't play as well at 46 feet. This is yeah. not, there's just not time. I mean, the, the splitter, it's probably not splitting by the time it's, you know, over the catcher's head. So, yeah, I think we'll probably, <laughs> we would employ a fastball heavy approach. Yeah, 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 yeah. At that point, let's not complicate things. Once you, assuming we can get the catcher to catch it, go right at him. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's, uh, let's do a little more Otani chatter um, because we did get some more reporting about the nature of kind of how it all came together. Now, I still think there will be more and more of these details that will slowly leak out along the way, and we will we will eat those up as we go. Um, nom, nom, but nom. this reporting from, uh, from Jeff Passan and Eldon Gonzalez about uh, the Dodgers' particular pursuit of, of this and, and kind of how it all came together was interesting. So I know there was one excerpt or, or one element that certainly jumped out uh, to a lot of people on Twitter, but uh, was what 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 stood out to you? I mean, we got to talk about the Kobe Bryant video. Basically, the Dodgers had Kobe Bryant record a hello video for Shohei in 2017, the first time around, right? Mm-hmm. And they, I guess, never used it then which is interesting and kept it in their drafts for six years. And then when Shohei came to Dodger stadium this time around, they brought it out. And now that Kobe Bryant is no longer with us, it must've been very shocking and disorienting to see him in like a Dodgers hat saying, hello, Shohei come to the Dodgers. Yeah, it was interesting because they, it seems like they had it for the first pitch, but never got to use it. It seems like they were just like saving it for like the final, like this is our ace in the hole. And then they didn't end up using it. I guess like that last meeting before he picked the Angels three days later, they didn't get, they didn't have enough time to like break out the Kobe video. And so they were like, you know what? We have this. We're going to try and get him when he's a free agent. Because, again, like, this is all the reporting about Dodgers has been consistent that they've tried to do this for so long. So, like, it doesn't totally shock me that they were like, you know what? That may still come in handy someday. Kudos to the Dodgers for keeping that video in a folder somewhere. Because, you know, old videos often get lost Mm -hmm. on the cloud. I love the idea of Andrew Freeman picking up his phone and being like, hey, do we still have that video of Kobe Bryant? (laughs) Talking about Otani? Yes. So while I will say at least a little strange uh, to use uh, him, of of course, uh, past his, uh, you know, posthumously, uh, I would say. I don't know what level of involvement or permission was, you know, given or if. No, but he recorded. That's super interesting because he recorded the video. So they have it. Yeah, right, exactly. Like at that point, like has has he essentially signed the waiver to use his likeness in the in the video and then what happens all these years later? 
Uh, I don't know. I, I I don't know how that works. So what if, it was it was a little odd, but also like I'm not surprised. I get it. They they I, I'm not surprised they did it, and then I'm not surprised that it they leaned into it and then shared the detail because it's Los Angeles and Los Angeles loves Kobe Bryant. So I like the idea that Shohei like freaking hates Kobe. Like they must have had. <laughs> well, they to... don't. Apparently, they said that him and Ipe were both like. This well, that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. They must have found out in advance that Shohei loves Kobe Bryant. Mm. Otherwise, you can't just do that. Like, you can't, oh, man, I'm a Shaq guy. I'm oh, that's interesting. Blue Jays. <laughs> you think that they that there was, like, risk in using that? Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's an interesting theory. I guess that's, uh, I guess that's possible. The other interesting thing from the Passon Gonzalez article was – Andrew Friedman talking about the contract deferral specifics and quote, I wouldn't have had the guts to propose it. Friedman said, could you imagine being Andrew Friedman? Like they didn't get that offer or that request until Friday night. And he signed on Saturday. You just get the phone call like, Hey, uh, oh yeah, here's the offer we want. And, and the GM's like, did you just say $680 million deferred? Well, that's yep. the part, yeah, and that's the thing that is is interesting. Is I think, I think they said they got that Friday morning, uh, or, or all the teams. They basically put that final offer out on Friday morning. So I have no sense for like what degree money was discussed over the previous you know six weeks. Right. But I agree with you. It is. It does seem like though, as we hear how quickly they kind of agreed to it once they understood it. And then how quickly the Giants and Blue Jays reportedly were also, you know, totally kosher with those terms. But it wasn't a situation. It yeah. wasn't a situation where they went to the Giants and Blue Jays and said, oh, like more money, please. Which no. it seems like that easily could have been the case. Like this number could have gone higher under the current context, right? Like with the deferrals for sure. If you sure. had the Blue Jays, Dodgers and Giants all agreeing to the same number. Des Bolello could have just been like, okay, 710. Right. Right. But it seems like they were, they wanted to ramp this process up. And it seems like Bolello and Otani came together and, and crafted this deal that started with the seven, but wasn't worth as much with all the deferrals. And they said, this is the contract we want. And I am ready to decide. And so let's see who will give it to me. And now that I have the three options in front of me, I've met with them, I've learned about them, and then I will make my decision. Which again is kind of how we thought this would begin. It would get to a number that they were comfortable with, and like you said, of course they could have kept going higher, but it wasn't there. We would have gone all freaking winter going back and forth, right? And they wanted to wrap it up. So the Dodgers win, the Blue Jays and the Giants lose, and the Angels don't even play because when Moreno, or sorry, not Moreno, when Bolello brought the deferred contract around to the teams, he brought that contract to the Angels as well. And the angel said, thanks for the memories and uh, declined to match. Artie Moreno, the owner of the angels, did not want to do all the deferred money. And so he said, no gracias, Shohei Otani. Best of luck in all your future endeavors. Jordan, what's your take on the angels not wanting to do that contract structure? Um, I mean, like... I guess like, yeah, shame on them. Like you really, you go through all this 
you don't, I mean, it really it's, it's the combination of not being willing to trade him, but then also not being willing to retain him. Like in that sense, in the most basic sense, that is the disconnect of which elicits a frustration and shame from angels fans and casual observers alike. Uh, but it's like, it's not that surprising. I mean, I think it is in line with kind of the Artie Moreno ownership, which is just that like he is, he's in charge. And if it doesn't fit within his vision of anything or what he wants, then he's not going to do it. Like it's possible he would have been willing to give Shohei Otani $500 million up front, you know, but that's not what, what, what Otani wanted. And so, but since it wasn't what Moreno wanted, that, that that's, that's the end of the story. Like right. he is, he is bigger than all of it, even bigger than the free agent who is bigger than everything we have in baseball. Yeah, I found it very unserious behavior. Yeah. After but. all the time talking about trying to retain him, it almost feels like Moreno saw the offer and went, boy, that looks complicated. <laughs> no, no I mean, thanks. I just don't think. It seems like he's never been one to uh, care for defer. I think the Angels have not done any, okay, any deferrals but, in their contracts. Yeah, right. but wh- whatever. It's not like you have to make a grand political statement or get a face tattoo or like, it's not really, but br- it's not like he, brave. To- but he, he didn't want to submit to terms that were not his own. It's that simple. Like they, nothing is, is bigger than, than Artie in angels land. So, which is de- so funny, dude, if he has decided that, then like that was kind of going to be that. Um, and it's, it's unfortunate, but also I, I think again, it's a reminder, like, you know, moving the angels aside. Like I think Otani went through this process. He gave these other teams the opportunity to show him something that could sway him in another direction. And then ultimately the Dodgers uh, made, made the most sense. So, uh, you know, Perry Manassian, who now has to soldier on trying to build this roster um, saying, you know, quote, he's one of the best players that's ever played for this organization. And we understand that, but life goes on, life goes on indeed. Does and, it? Uh, and I gotta say though, I mean, I really, I've been thinking. I, I just trout, trout's on the on the brain, man. I, I really, I really wonder how we're gonna we're gonna talk about him and and them uh, in in the coming years. I mean, this is just the prototypical breakup process. Mm-hmm. Life goes on. Yeah. We're fine. I'm fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. Artie Moreno and Perry Manassian splitting a. I that said, a like carton of Ben and Jerry's ice cream on the couch while they cry watching Love Actually. That said, like I am uh, again, not that it's going to make them World Series contenders, but like I think the Angels could just like spend a bunch of money on other stuff now because that's just kind of what they do to to cover stuff up. But I still think they're going to feel a level of urgency with Trout. That um, I mean, their payroll right now is you know sitting at one fifty three. You know, like I know they're never going to go into the luxury tax as we just showed the extreme lengths they'll go to, but I wouldn't be surprised if they just go drop $50 million on a bunch of guys <laughs> to try and get back in it. And that'll, uh, that'll make things interesting regardless of how uh, relevant they are moving forward. I love this Perry quote, dude. One of the best players that's ever played for this organization. Yeah, that's, that is, we got He's one we, or two. He's one or two with all respect to Troy Glass. Right. right. I, it was just, it's just so great, right? It's like, we're all talking about how he's the most talented. Every other quote, like the Dodgers quotes are, this is the most talented player in the history of the sport. 
And the Angels are like, he's like top five in our organization. He did a good job <laughs> here. Like, yeah, I would think so. Like Garrett Anderson like had a nice run. I don't think Garrett Anderson pitched from what I recall. Adam Kennedy, okay? We can't just forget Adam Kennedy. Yeah. Who is I actually, yeah, I mean, I guess Angels, you know, you you, you stretch it back farther, but Where is yeah, Otani? No, Here we go. Where is Otani on all-time wins above replacement? In Angels. Oh, history. I've never actually looked at that. Does it and it does it does it have his combined yeah. stuff? Yeah. He I would guess he's like eighth. Wait, take a guess. Who's number one? Trout. By yes. a yes. lot. Yes. By a lot. So yes. much. So yes. he's so far ahead. He has been for multiple seasons, I think, by now. <laughs> Otani is ninth all time. Ninth. Okay. All right. So that's and he's at like thirty, right? Thirty four. 34. Okay, actually while we're while we're doing this, who who's ahead of them? I mean, and then we'll and then we'll take a break and come back and wrap some other moves. Mike Trout, uh mm-hmm. center fielder. Um yeah. Chuck Finley. Mm-hmm. Jim Fergosi, mm-hmm. who like Jim Fergosi is the perfect example of player before my time who I know is good, who I could tell you no additional facts about without looking them up. Yep. Tim Salmon. Mm. So two fish in the top 4. Love that. Nolan Ryan. <laughs> no, Mike Carp. He never made it. Never made it. Nolan Ryan being fifth for the Angels. Is I, yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, because I, I was about to say, like, where does he rank just on, on uh, pitchers, uh, at least among peak? But, you know, Finley's obviously a top there. That's a lot of years. Brian Downing is sixth. Jared Weaver, seventh. Bobby Gritch, eighth. Shohei Otani, ninth. Frank Tanana, tenth. And then Darren Erstad, eleventh. Howie Kendrick, twelfth. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So I would say, yes, he is one of the best players uh, in in franchise history. Yes, that is that is a good, <laughs> good way to put it. Sean Figgins <laughs> is 19th. Okay. Uh, we don't have to talk about Sean Figgins. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we return, we'll hit on a few other transactions from over the weekend before we say goodbye. And welcome back to the end of another tumultuous journey. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman. And this is the baseball barbacast, a rickety roller coaster hurtling towards danger. Let's talk about hurtling towards danger because Tyler Glass, now one of the least <laughs> healthy pitchers in baseball over the last half decade, just got a five-year, $135 million extension from the Los Angeles Dodgers after being traded there from the Rays. It's basically four years of new time and $110 million of new money. What make of you this extension? Can you conceive of Tyler Glass now getting four years and $110 million next winter? Yeah, I think so. Yes. Uh, but you could also see him getting two years and $58 million. And so that is that is the risk that the Dodgers are willing to play. I appreciate not just the level of aggression, but we know, and, and I also wrote about this in relation to Yamamoto at Fox today, like there is a lot more stuff to happen with this starting pitching market. And rather than the Dodgers, you know, continuing to wait around and with this with this staring contest with all the trades, they're like, fuck it, let's just get glass now, get him in the door, lock him in long term. We know the risks associated with it. But the upside here is still tremendous. Let's do it. 
And I got to say, uh, Mr. Jeff Passan made a, a pretty compelling comparison that I had not really thought of um, that I, I heard him say somewhere, which is, is Zach Wheeler. Now, I know that is a bit of the most optimistic interpretation, but the way that we talked about Zach Wheeler before he signed his big contract with the Phillies was like, all right, yeah, he's really good, but like, how much has he really, he's been hurt, he's never really built a dirt, and no one ever questioned the talent, and then since then, he's been durable, he's been one of the best pitchers in baseball, you know, since he signed that contract. Now, again, there's a lot more risk associated with Glastown, but I, I, I get that, you know, and I think that that's probably what uh, they are hoping for at the very least, but even if they're paying him for, you know, 120 innings, that is a valuable 120 innings compared to rolling the dice you know, with Emmett Sheehan or, or Michael Grove and, and and so on. So I get it. Good for him. You know, LA guy, uh, you know, Southern California, you know, already posted on Instagram how he's, he's dreamed of being a Dodger. Like, it's great. It's great. Happy for glass now. And, and it's, it's obviously a, a nice fit there. Let's talk about the team really winning the off season. The Kansas city Royals led by their superstar owner, John Sherman, the propane King. The Royals have hit the free agent market hard, hard, baby, hard. Inking Hunter Renfro, Michael Waka, and Seth Lugo over the last week. The sky is the roof. I mean, add in Garrett Hampson, Will Smith, and Chris Stratton, and we've got six major league free agents that the Royals have signed for over a combined 100 guaranteed million dollars. And I love, I mean, them, Hunter Renfro getting, now I'm, I is colored by the fact that I watched him go like one for 30 with the Reds after ending up there via waivers and then getting non-tendered. Uh, but Hunter Renfro getting two years is, is pretty stunning. I know he wasn't that that bad a few years ago, but again, what is this? This is the Royals saying, and the Tigers, we've seen the Tigers do some other things. This division sucks. These other teams are cutting back. Why not? Like, okay, sure, going from 106 losses to contending for a division does not seem all that plausible. Um, but the Orioles say, hey, sure, why not? You know, now the Royals don't have quite the same the same uh, farm system, but they have a far easier path to contention in their division. And I love, uh, you know, Ken Rosenthal wrote about this and and had some reporting with a very, very interesting rumor in there that I think is is both spicy to talk about on its own, but also instructive of kind of the, the path the Royals are taking, which I can certainly appreciate and admire from afar, which is that they reportedly discussed a trade at the winter meetings mm. that would send our dear friend Vinny Pasquantino. This rumor dropping like the night before his wedding was pretty funny. Vinny Pasquantino to the Marlins for Jesus Lazardo. Whoa, 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 whoa. That would be a hell of a challenge, right? We, we know we've seen the Marlins make trades like this before in a probably not so good way when they traded you know gallon for jazz now this is a new front office with peter bendix that trade is is would be really something but it sounds like they considered it and then ultimately decided that would be you know filling one hole and opening another let's just spend money oh what a concept let's just go get michael Waka. of course he's not as good as jesus lizardo but he doesn't cost players that we like and this would be a, a fantastic way for more, you know, mid small to mid market teams to operate. Which is that listen, this is less painful. It's just to spend some money. It's not that difficult. You are the so, fourth largest propane retailer in the United States. Act like it. Act like it. 
thank you. Could you imagine if Vinny had gotten traded while we were on the air with him at the winter meetings? Uh, I can't. Uh, but I'm glad. Um, I'm curious at what stage during his wedding preparation and or aftermath he found out that this was a thing. Um, but again, there's also a vote of confidence of Vinny that they're not going to, you know, give him up. But I, I just think that like that's it's very simple. It's like they 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 weigh like, hey, well, why don't we just spend an extremely reasonable amount of money to improve? Whoa, right? Like that. It's not that we've so we're gonna get to Arizona here in a second. This is it's we're not asking for much here. We're really not. When we want to see these teams just take steps in the right direction, we are yeah. not asking them to give Yamamoto four hundred million dollars just shows there are right. so many of these middle tier free agents available who will sign if you give them a good offer in the middle of December. Like there's ways to get these deals done. And they've done that. We Cincinnati, by the way, credit to them with some of the moves that they've made. Like if you, you, they're all capable of making these solid offers to these middle tier play, uh, free agents that can make a difference and raise their floor. And I'm really glad to see Kansas City do that. Jordan is the owner of the Royals, the fifth largest propane retailer distributor in the united states are they the fifth why is it, whoa, no what do you mean no no they're the fourth. no they're the fourth right and that's why they're we're giving fourth. michael Waka, you know 16 million dollars no you're you're absolutely correct uh quickly on waka though waka and renfro this will be waka's sixth team in six years and renfro's seventh hmm. uh, which is just an incredible achievement for for non-relievers i would say but i think I mean, Waka, this is is kind of a stunning thing, right? His career starts with eight years or seven years in St. Louis. And then to go Mets, Rays, Red Sox, Padres, and now Royals. And he's got an opt-out after the first year. He pitches well in Kaufman. We're going seven and seven, baby. Like, he's getting out of there and he's going somewhere else. So this is not to mention, you know, if, they, if, they, if they're not as good and they trade him. So just an incredible, incredible run here for Waka to, to kind of rack up some teams. Renfro makes a little bit more sense for the role that he plays, but I mean, he's been good. He's he, Waka's been got like a three, two ERA over the last few seasons. His changeup's awesome when he's healthy. He's been good, but he's, he talk about a health risk. I mean, he's been on the aisle with shoulder issues like five different times in his career. So I would be totally fine with the current rendition of Michael Waka starting game three of a playoff series for me. I would not be ecstatic about it. I like wouldn't be jumping for joy. But if I but know he's healthy, I'm like, you know what? Yeah, sure. Two times through the order, great. Guy doesn't suck. So uh, I don't know if the the, the Royals are going to keep pushing, but good for them so far. Same thing can be said about Arizona, who bring back Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Three years, $42 million. Opt out after the second year for Gurriel, also a team option in year four. Totally reasonable. We've seen them already out externally, bringing in Erod, trading for uh, Gino Suarez, and this is a situation where it's like, listen, I know it's more fun to to you know bring in some fresh faces, but ultimately Gurriel was a perfect fit there, and I think when you consider what it seems like they're also trying to do in adding a full time DH, this is this is perfect. You don't have to overcomplicate it, as we've talked about with Nola, you know, on the high end, guys staying put is not as fun to talk about in the off season, but sometimes it just makes too much sense. And it's just nice to see a little bit more, uh, a little bit more movement in the in the position player market. I would like to see that kind of get going because besides Candelario, we've seen next to nothing uh, among among hitters, and, and then Jung Huli. and Shohei Otani, who he hits. Shohei Otani, he doesn't play a position though. He just uh, stands is there. Is Shohei with that. Ta- is Shohei a position player? No, no, he's not. 
He's not. True. Doesn't even own a glove. Uh, what a fraud. Uh, but yeah, but I love this. Gurriel's awesome. Gurriel is just a really fun, great player. And 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 the reports that they're interested in in bringing JD Martinez back to the DH. I mean, oh. I I just love that the Snakes talk about you know riding the wave here. I mean, they, this is there is no. They're like, okay, no, no, no. We're we are not gonna be in a position where come spring training, everyone's talking about how cute of a story we were and project us for 81 wins. Like they're like, no, 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 no. We're, 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 that was fun. Let's keep this going. And I appreciate that as well. Kids these days don't remember. They don't know kids these days, Jordan. I'm telling you, they don't understand. They weren't around at the time. 2017 Arizona Diamondbacks, J.D. Martinez was the greatest hitter of all time. You could talk about Barry Bonds or Babe Ruth or this Shohei Otani guy. You do not understand. I'm telling you, you do not understand. He was automatic. It was now it's it was especially incredible because while it was a rental, right, for a for a, a hitter, I mean, they traded Sergio Alcantara, you know, Lise Legend, Dabo Lugo, another Lise Legend, and Jose King, who never made the, the majors. And what J.D. Martinez did in those two months, I mean, that first of all, he had the four-homer game was during that stretch. Yep. The four homers. It's do 29 home runs in 62 games. Okay, now I know this is like literally as the ball is being juiced. Don't care. It's the second half of 2017. Like, I totally recognize that. But <laughs> he was so good. It was. It was like early on in the, in the Hazen tenure. So it's like they know what that shit was like. So it would not surprise me at all. It would be an awesome fit. Just a perfect, perfect, perfect fit. He's Boris. He's going to get a lot of money here. It might take, you know, 17, 18, 19 million. But, I mean, it would really put them in a, a really interesting spot in the in the, in the NL postseason situation. I, 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 I Keep going, Snakes. Keep on going. He, I, I just hope that the younger generation gets to witness this magic. <laughs> He's like 741. It was great because he was so good to start that season. Like he was already having a career year in Detroit. And then he was like, oh, check this shit out. (laughs) Watch this. Watch this. Uh, So, yeah, no, that would be that. That makes way too much sense. So I hope they keep adding. I hope they add some more bullpen help. Like I as much as I love the gink and seawalled, like there's some relievers out there. Like keep going, snakes. Like I'm just it just it's it's inspiring. It's inspiring, truly, as a as a fan of a team that is not as interested in doing uh, such <laughs> such actions. I I really do appreciate it. Uh, that's all I got. Do you want to talk about these these small Braves? The Braves are Matt Carpenter now. They're yeah. not going to keep him. They're basically buying uh, Matt Carpenter uh, so that they can get Ray Kerr from the Padres, who's a hard throwing reliever. The Braves bullpen has a lot of hard throwing guys. Their bullpen's going to be very good. Padres are looking to cut payroll. That's why they included Kerr in this deal. They basically, the Braves have now acquired like five different bad contracts that they know they can trade somehow um, just to acquire other pieces, which is which is impressive. But also like, I mean, again, like Anthopolis does seem bored. He's like, you know what? I clearly don't have the room to like make some massive splash so I can at least stay busy and like basically try and do essentially like GM parkour <laughs> with the moves that he's making here. Who wants Fuck. Matt Carpenter? <laughs> Fuck it. Let's tinker, baby. <laughs> Which, by the way, you mentioned J.D. Martinez. The Matt Carpenter Yankees stint. 
I I just I I don't I don't know what to make of that. I just I really I really don't. Um, but it got him two guaranteed years, which is why he was the contract that the Padres needed to get rid of. Uh, all right, I think that's it, Jake. Uh, we'll, we'll end it here. Thank you. Well, all I, I, there was, oh yeah, there was one good email I wanted to read. Okay, do it. Is that where, okay? Where, where, how can people email us? They can email us by pigeon. No, you can do it at baseballbarbacast at gmail.com. But this one was fun. Hall of Fame question. Hi, Jake. This is from Edwin. Hi, Jake and Jordan. Hello from Ireland. Wow. (laughs) My name is Edwin, and I am a fellow suffering Mariners fan. I've only been watching baseball since 2015 when my college roommate from Vancouver introduced me to baseball in a Sunday game against the Rangers. Nelson Cruz hit two dingers and a walk-off single. I was hooked. I've been playing baseball with the Dublin Spartans in the Irish Baseball League for the past five years and having a blast. So first of all, Edwin, fuck yeah, dude. Like, yeah, I mean, Edwin, you've already made my day with just these details about your life. Um, from incredible. Not to mention, like, yeah, I mean, you know, 2015 Mariners. Absolutely. I'm right there with Love you, that. guy. Yeah. If you ever want to talk hurling. You're welcome on the <laughs> yeah, show at we can, any. We can we can talk we can talk hurling. Let's do it. Jake and Jordan do have hurling takes. All right, Edwin goes on. I love the podcast and appreciate the effort you all put in. I always have some baseball news to listen to. After listening to you guys discuss the Glassnow trade and with it being Hall of Fame voting season, a question came to mind: Will the Rays ever have a Hall of Famer go in wearing their logo on their cap? It's hard to see a player spending the bulk of a Hall of Fame career with the Rays without getting traded away for prospects at some point. Under the current way of doing business, this might not last forever, but outside of a Wade Boggs style situation, I don't see it happening anytime soon. Of the teams without a Hall of Famer wearing their cap, who do you think get who do you think gets one first? As far as I know, it's the Rays, Marlins, and Nationals, or does an expansion team have a Hall of Famer before them? All the best, Edwin. So incredible question. And the answer is Wander Franco. Kind of deal. Now, I feel pretty good good that Wander won't be a Hall of Famer now. But I actually do think that like that is the idea that the Rays could find another one. Let's just move Wander aside. The idea that the Rays could find another Wander Franco, easier said than done. But if any team's going to do it and then sign to an extension, it's, I mean, like that's not, <laughs> it's not that impossible. But right. that's the kind of situation you're probably looking for. That's exactly what it had. That's really the only way to do it, yeah. right? Is to ex- get a long extension incredibly early on in the career. I mean, that said, like, I think there's a, like, I think Randy is still, like, an option here, as insane as that sounds. Like, not that I, he doesn't project to be a Hall of Famer, but, like, he's someone who is currently on the Rays, who is extremely associated with the Rays, who, with the right tweaks and longevity, could amass Hall of Fame again? This is absurd, right? But that then is at least someone that I have now like such strong, so strongly associated with the franchise and has been such an important part of this era of their team that like he he fits the 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 not maybe not necessarily the statistical credentials, but just like the fame and the association with the franchise. I don't expect him to be there long term because he's going to start making money, and we know how this works, and that's why we're talking about this, but. I would just say that. Other than that, yeah, I mean, it would have to be someone that commits to them long-term very, very early in their career. I think Max Scherzer goes in as a national. Mm-hmm. 
I, I mean, think I think that's probably true. Yeah, that'd be gonna... my guess. I mean, he he was there for seven seasons: Detroit for five, Arizona two, Mets two, Texas one, and the Dodgers one. I yeah think it'll be a nat. We think of him as a nat. He here's his run right: fifth in the Cy Young, first, first, second, third, pandemic, third, and and his first World Series. So I would say like that is. I, I agree. I think sure the Nationals. Yeah. Take out the 2020 season. He never had an ERA over three as a national. Yeah. No, it's one of the best free free agent contracts of all time. Right. So uh, and, and unless he has like a stronger personal tie to Detroit that will kind of lead him towards doing no logo, I think it will be a national for sure. Ryan Zimmerman, no chance. Yeah. I mean, hell of a career. But you think Bryce goes in as a net? What about Gio Gonzalez? <laughs> I would I would bet slightly against them. Um <laughs> Dylan Cruz. Let's let's see what happens. Juan Soto. Ooh. Just throwing that out there. Just throwing that out there. Marlins keep waiting. Marlins, yeah. Marlins is gonna is gonna be we're gonna be we're gonna be waiting some time. I mean, that's you know just who, like it's a version of, of Tampa for all the same reasons. So. Do you know who the all time war leader is for the Marlins? Uh is it Jeff Conine? Jeff Conine is sixteenth. Okay. Who is who is it? John Carlo Stanton. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't think he's making it back there. It doesn't seem like a contract they're looking forward to bringing back into the fold. Anyway, uh, Edwin, question, just like a that's a, that ruled, dude. Thanks for like great email. Sport. I do think Scherzer will do it for sure, and uh, yeah, an expansion t- now. Right, an expansion team have a Hall of Famer before the Rays and Marlins. I don't, I, I don't, I doubt it. But that's a long time from now. Thank you, Edwin, for emailing us. You can email us at baseballbarbacast at gmail.com. That's b a r b cast. Glad he mentions Hall of Fame. We're going to have a Hall of Fame special episode coming up here mm. with the holidays approaching. Uh, Jake and I both have some travel coming up, but we will keep these pods coming. And we'll be back on Wednesday with another edition of Prospect Barbacast with our dear friend Mike Farron. And perhaps we will have some more news to discuss as well. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to Isabella Josen for producing. And we'll be back on Wednesday. Talk to you guys soon. Sirius XM Podcasts. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.